of my beautiful, beautiful Azzurri. We are live. I actually, it's crazy. I just got 95% of my voice back. When I woke up this morning, it was like, I can't talk. I bounced back very, very quickly, though. I was screaming at the top of my lungs yesterday. And by the way, welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. I was watching uh, Italy, England from uh, from a good uh, good soccer bar in Miami. It's crazy because it's actually a German restaurant, but you know, all the lot of English fans were there. A decent amount of Italian fans were there at the Fritz and Franz beer house in Miami. And I was trolling the English fans so hard, guys. And they were, and these were like mother country people. They had the accents, the bangers and mash, the whole nine. And guys, I was going freaking crazy. And I hope uh, my pal from down here, Mike No Go Zones, he he's pretty frequent in the chat. I hope he gets in here at some point to celebrate with us. Hopefully, Brooklyn Rob as well. We've already got Mario Galliano in the chat room, so we are going to celebrate Italy's triumph. It still feels surreal. Like I wake up this morning and it's still like I had to pinch myself and say, wow, the Azzurri just won the Euros and they won it in the most dramatic fashion possible. I've seen enough penalty kick shootouts in finals for a lifetime. We got another one yesterday. Gianluigi Donnarumma, build this fucking guy a statue. Build him a statue in Rome. Build him a statue in his hometown of Napoli. Build him a statue in Milano. Build him a freaking statue in Paris. He's about to go play for PSG. I'm going to build this guy a statue in my backyard, saving two penalties yesterday. It was unbelievable. Let me welcome in our all-star panel. So happy we can share this with everyone after 1-1, and then Italy wins it in the penalty kicks yesterday against England to hoist the Euro trophy. Let me introduce my co-host. This man believed from day one, and I give you so much credit, Jerry Mancini, because before the tournament started, when we did our pre-tournament episode, you know, four weeks ago before the Euro started, I, I took a little bit more of a measured, what I thought was a more realistic approach because even though Italy had won, what, like 26, 27 games in a row at that time or unbeaten in that many games in a row at the time, I thought, you know what? I sounded a little bit like that chooch Gary Neville because I kept saying stuff like, you know what? I don't know if they've really been tested yet. Maybe a quarterfinal, maybe a semifinal if we're lucky. They go all the freaking way, and it's beautiful. And even though I predicted quarterfinal, Jerry – you predicted an Azzurri victory the entire way, my friend. So I'm happy for you, and I'm sure you're feeling as great as I am. How are you? Well, you're a piece of shit for not believing in them. I'll I'll, I'll take it. I deserve it. I did bet on them in every single game, though. So I, I, I believed in them with my wallet. Wouldn't you have made more money if you just bet them from the beginning, though? You would have got yes. to like, must say 50. Oh, and this is our wow. guy, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Rob. Hold on. I, I'm putting for, for those who are just listening. I just flashed this uh, message on the YouTube. Brooklyn Rob won $8,000 on a pre tournament bet on Italy. Brooklyn Rob bet the Azzurri at plus 750 odds to win eight grand. He He's going to take me out for a steak dinner, which I really appreciate. We'll have to, because he lives down here in South Florida. So we'll, we'll have to chat and schedule that. And he can afford it. I'll, I'll let him. Uh, I'll let him buy. <laughs> like I'm going to order the surf and turf. It is on Brooklyn Rob. The congratulations. Go ahead, Jerry. I want my steak too. Fuck sakes. We fly <laughs> down here, man. Come down to Florida. I'm coming next year, actually. By the way, I I, I plan on going after uh, January. So actually December. Sorry, I want to I want to watch the Oilers, but 
we're going side topic here. You December, know what, man? January is a good time to come down here. Like, don't don't come in the summer. Come in the winter for sure. I'm I'm just not coming to watch the Miami Dolphins because they fucking no. suck. Stop that. Stop that. Reek. You Stop you like that. the Dolphins too, Marco? Hardcore. That, really? That's how, yeah, that's why I got introduced to um oh, uh, Alex. Surprise! <laughs> you still have connection. Well, that's why he lost hair, man. Look at him because of cheering for the Dolphins for like the last fifty years, man. 40, 30. Okay. Uh, uh, he still re- he still remembers when he lost sixty two seven. The Dan Marino's oh, last game. I, I always remember Dan Marino's last game because he got shit on against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But anyways, you know what? Outstanding performance from Italy all around. Um, at the end of the day, the decisive factor was Roberto Mancini. Like I said in our ma- in our preview before the tournament, he was the guy who was either going to make or break this team, and he made them. Um, I didn't know that Twitter World had 3,500 uh, or 1,000 Mancinis and can predict what is going to happen when they question the timing of his decisions. Certain people calling him stupid for, for acting too long against Austria. Yesterday, people calling him out for bringing on Cristante yeah. and, and bringing on a false nine such as um, – Berardi and people wanting Bellotti on and tweeting right away, what are you doing, Mancini? Always questioning him, but I, I didn't know that we, we had the managers watching the game from, this, from the Twitter uh, sideline. So at the end of the day, Mancini proved everyone wrong. He was doubted many times, undefeated in, what, in four, 34 straight matches. 34. One match away from setting a new record, I believe. Like, what more do you want? And, and and I hate – the last thing is I, I hate when people shit on Italy players. It doesn't matter what it, what they are. you got to support them. At the end of the day, it doesn't become cheering against Lazio, cheering against Roma, cheering against Juventus. Everyone's cheering for the same cause, for Italy to, to win at, at all costs. So, for me, it, it's just like you support them at, at all will. And I thought every player contributed – in their own manner, and, and did what they had to to help Italy win at the end of the day. So overall, great team effort from everyone, and everyone pulled their weight. When one player went down, another one stepped up. When one player wasn't doing well, another player came in and filled the void. It was a collective effort, yeah. and this this is reminds me of 2006 Italy where everyone just pulled their weight. So Totti wasn't effective in that tournament, but – he 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 had that brilliant penalty shot versus Australia, where people were always remembered because he delivered in that key moment. Was he effective throughout the tournament? I don't remember him being as effective. Maybe people certain do. I don't know. I know it's 20, 20 odd years ago, but maybe you guys know better. I don't remember Totti having a great World Cup in two thousand six, but again, people always remember him for delivering that key goal. Everyone just steps up in their key moments, and that's what we had here with Italy. You know, I, I thought that uh, David Amoyal on Culture Land, he, even th- this was the episode he did before the final, yet I still thought he made a really good point about the Azzurri, that the difference between Italy and a lot of the other teams in the Euro, where you had other teams like, you know, the Belgiums and the Englands and, and the Frances and the Germanys of the world – that played like really great collections of talent, whereas the Azzurri played more like a club team. There was just so much more cohesion. Like you would, to to watch the way that they played together, you would never think that this is a national team that only convenes, you know, for about a week and a half, every few months for an international break. Like you would have thought that this was a club 
that played together uh, for the entire season. So really kudos to them for how well they did. Uh, let's welcome in our star-studded panel for today, our very good friend who has the best jersey collection, again, that I've seen. Now, I'm not only saying that because he's got so many Inter shirts. It really is an impressive collage. Mo is with us. Mo, it's been too long, sir, although Jerry and I did chat with you last week on Ricky Buzz's stream, so it's nice to see you again, sir. How you doing? Hi, thank you all for inviting me, and it's great panel right here with everybody here supporting Italy, as I can see. Uh, that I lived uh, 94 penalty kicks, 98 penalty kicks, 90 penalties. 2002, that goal that was, was not supposed to be there, 2006 penalty kicks. So, and 2016 against Germany. And going to these particular penalty kicks against the English who think they are the unluckiest team on earth, or they are not, after Italy won 82, they got out of penalty kicks in 86 and 90, if you're not old enough to know that. So Italy, until 2010, has not gone out of a World Cup without penalty kicks or a goal that was not supposed to be there because Italy should have won that Korea game in 2002. So I was very nervous. And this is, the I think, the second most nervous after 2006. 90, uh, 94, I was nervous, but I was young. But the teams that went to the final are actually the best teams in this tournament because they both never let their guard down. If you watch Italy from the first game to the last game, we were never behind until that English goal. And the English only went behind against the Danish for a, an, a, a fantastic goal from the only chance that Denmark has against them in the semifinal. So the better teams reached the final. It did not help the English they scored in the beginning, and we're going to come into that later. But the Italians are the best team of this tournament, followed by the English by not that far, but the Italians deserve to win. After scoring the 67 minute, I expected Italy to fall back, but for the last 23 minutes, Italy had the ball. Italy created more chances. The English did not have a shot on target. The Italians controlled the game, even in the extra time. So they deserve to win this cup. There is no superstar, but the whole team are full of superstars. Yeah, I, I think that's really well said. Uh, also welcoming back in for the first time in a really long time, and I think we're going to be seeing his face a lot more. Uh, he, he He's, oh, sorry, I thought a video playing in the background. I didn't mean that playing. We, we're welcoming in Manny Chang, who is styling today. He's got uh, he's got an inter jersey on. I think Good that was... 2011 2012 now now Manny he, he was supporting France in these euros but I know he was supporting Italy yesterday so I'm it's so glad to, <laughs> so glad to have you on sir how did you enjoy that drama yesterday Manny well guys let me just say man Italy this entire tournament showed what can happen when you don't um reach you know I guess a big time tournament like they should have um it, it seemed like Mancini and the Federation had a plan. And the minute they didn't make the World Cup, they said, it starts today. And you saw that plan into action. You saw the way that they carried themselves as a team. And I got to agree with that comment. Um, I forget who you said. This, this Italy team, yes, they didn't have the combination, right, of a Griezmann and Pogba and Mbappe. But they had these guys that played like they knew each other already from such a long time. Not much was said about them. Let's be honest here. It was about Italy. What is to expect? It, you know, what is to, what can we expect from Italy? And, and I apologize for my French. It's having a, a, a very, <laughs> he's a, very crazy he's moment. He's enthusiastic as I am. <laughs> Correct. Um, I think it's very important to point out that 
when this happens in the game that we all love and the beautiful game, it's important to note, right? This is where Italy should have been, you know, three, four years ago. Italy should have never been out of any tournament, never, right? It's it's right. always up there with Italy, Germany, France, Spain. Those those nations should never miss anything. But the way they carried themselves on the minute that they didn't make the World Cup to then get to this moment and get scored in the second minute of a final, okay? And let's be honest here. To me, England had the most luckiest of chances besides having, what, four or five games at home, you're playing at Wembley. Like, this is this is unknown territory for these Italian players. Let's be honest here. These guys have not played together in a major tournament besides this one. And they just took it as if, you know what? Let's go out there. Down one nothing. They never panicked at all. And it was so impressive to watch Mancini. Didn't get off his seat after Italy was down one nothing and said, I'm going to let my guys see how it goes. I'm going to let them flow. I'm going to see how the game goes on. 45 minutes ended. I don't really remember England really taking a hold of it, which to me, again, I don't understand why not. You're up one nothing. You're basically at home. But then here comes the greatness that Italy is that's shown throughout the whole tournament. Second half, possession, possession, possession with a false nine, just like Jerry tweeted out a couple hours ago. It's just so impressive to me that, you know, La Padula, who chose to play for Peru, imagine if La Padula here for Italy, right? I think Italy probably would have scored more opportunities there, but for them to still use the wingers and just stick to their game plan, tremendous goalkeeper, a heck of a back line with Chiellini and with Bonucci, and that's the, those are the things you need to win these types of games. And when England tried to all of a sudden create attacks and possess it, it was too little too late. They yeah. had no legs. The mind was gone. Italy just made them work. And those are things that you don't really see from a team, from a from a nation that just missed the World Cup and have been on this amazing streak. In, in all honesty, I had no idea that Italy was on a such streak, right? I mean, let's be honest. I, I, had, I had no idea. And then you see them from the first game, the first ever match of the Euros. And game after game after game, no moment was too big. No, no tactical, like Mancini trusted his tactics. He trusted the formations. Southgate clearly did not. <laughs> clearly did not. Because after the goal, I, I don't feel like he made, you know, it, to me, the game plan for them changed. It was like, okay, well, let's sit back. Let's clog up the outside because we know that's what Italy wants to do. They want to get the ball on the on on the wingers and they and they want to create the speed and they want to create the the uh, space right with you know Enzinia and whatnot. But it felt like Italy just wasn't control for the whole game. And I don't think England really planned out well, especially in the second half, where I still don't, you know, you bring off Zach Grealish on when you did when he should have probably came on in the second half to create more possession. And all of a sudden you want to get more possession in the 70th minute. It's too late now. The game's 1-1. Italy fans are rowing on one end, and England fans are thinking, oh, shit, here we go again, 1960-whatever. Is, is this going to be 66, the end? So, yeah. Yeah, so it's just one of those things that it's just it, it was amazing to watch Italy just battle, especially being down one nothing in the second minute. It was like a punch to the yeah. gut. And for them to hold it on, and like I said, the moment for me was Mancini just stayed like this. Okay. All right. That's it. And then in the second half, everything just took its place. And... It's safe to say, guys, that Italy has their goalkeeper for years to come, man. I mean, the man literally didn't look unfazed. He saved that last penalty shot. He just walked around like, that's right. 
It was so, so badass. Dude, like, I, I, I would have been shitting my pants and celebrating. And, and this guy, like, he acted as though it was just like a routine save in the fourth minute of a nil-nil game. It was it was crazy. Uh, also welcoming in uh, first-time guest, and we're so happy to have him. And he proves my theory, I think, that there are more Canadians in Canada than Italy. Like, it, it's unbelievable how many uh, un great Canadian Italians we can find. Marco Beghetto is with us. Marco, welcome to the show, sir. And and you live uh, not too far away from Jerry, apparently. No, we're pretty close, like a stone's throw away. <laughs> That's but, wild, man. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you, guys. Not, not, not gonna lie. Yesterday was the first game, and I'll admit this wholeheartedly. It was the first game where I really the seeds of doubt entered my mind. And I'll tell you, this this is the reason. I mean, I I, I knew we we're gonna beat Belgium. As bad as they were against Spain, not bad as they were against Spain. I thought maybe they got a little bit outcoached. The only game Mancini was outcoached. But as, as bad as that game was going, I still had faith. And it was only because of the storybook yesterday. It was just the way it seemed like it was written. In front of Wembley, 65,000 fans, only 5,000 Italian fans. Uh, the way England got there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'm older than you guys, but you know, I, I remember when I remember when penalty kicks were, 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 were a horror show. And, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, I lived through 90, 94, 96. Yeah. It was, it was, it was I mean, penalty kicks were, 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 were something to be feared. And it was just something about, I, I looked at my brother at one point and I said, for Christ's sakes, if England wins this thing, by doing their best old school Catanaccio impression, the most cynical Catanaccio imp impression I have ever seen on a soccer field. And they win it that way, but after bashing Italian soccer for the last hundred years, like that's just the way I, I felt that it was going. I mean, I should have had more faith. Machini knows what he's doing. Um, you know, I, 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 I think uh, Jerry brought up the, the uh, Jerry brought up the parallels between this team and the 2016 and you know, I think if you look at it, I'm not saying it's a carbon copy, but it was very, very similar. You had two brick walls in the middle, Kalini and Bonucci this time. You had uh, two uh, high-flying uh, wingbacks, Spina and uh, Di Lorenzo this time. You had Grosso and Zambrotta last time. Grosso arrived at the tournament just like Spina did. Uh, nobody knew who he was. Everybody remembered who he was after that tournament. Uh, the midfield, you had uh, two... They weren't as pressing as this midfield was. They weren't as, as sure on tackles as this midfield was. But you had creative midfielders in Pirlo and, and Totti. I, I kind of disagree with what Jerry said on, on Totti's performance. He was sort of like Jorginho-like where he was quietly effective. If you go watch those highlights of those 2006 goals, I can tell you this. Do, do your homework. He's involved in all but one of those goals in the 2006 campaign. Totti's involved at some point in every single one of those goals. He might not have had flashes on the field. And that's how I felt this, how this midfield performed. And finally, you didn't have a sure striker. You know, you had, you had, you know, Luca Toni, Quagliarella, uh, uh, Gilardino. And, and, and this time you had, you had with varying degrees of effect, uh, Immobile and, and, um, uh, Belotti. Uh, Belotti. And, and, you know, we got goals from all over the pitch and the final game itself. I mean, that might've been a carbon copy. We go down one nil, and you get a goal back and return from a center back. I mean, <laughs> it's just yeah, the like way Materazzi. Materazzi. It's just it was just the way it was written. I think uh, you know, I, I I think it was a masterclass in coaching. I think England was just cynical. I don't understand what they were doing, um, 
And frankly, it should have been over before 90 minutes. If Geza doesn't get hurt, that game is over in 90 minutes because the pressure, we just had our boots to their throats. And if anything, not only him going off hurt us, but that five minutes, six minutes allowed England uh, to gather themselves. They didn't do anything with it, but I mean, they gathered themselves to compose themselves because I felt that goal was coming in 90 minutes if, if, if that game isn't stopped for sure. Yeah, no, you said it so well. And also when you brought up the Chiesa injury and it was really hard to see him go down near the end of regulation, but it just reminds me of Italy having to overcome adversity throughout this tournament in losing, I would argue, their two best players to injuries at different points in the tournament. I mean, Spinazzola, up until what he, he get hurt in the quarter final, up until that point, he was the best player in an Italian shirt. And then he gets injured, and they go on, and they they finish two great victories without him to win the cup. I mean, obviously Chiesa was there for most of the way. He wasn't even a starter when the tournament started. That was you know that that, that, that was a switch that came you know during the group stage because it had been Berardi starting before that. Uh, but then Chiesa had grown into a role of being you know the the best player on the pitch after Spinazzola went down, and then they don't have even the services of Chiesa in extra time. Uh, which really added some adversity towards the end of that game because he had been your best player, certainly in that match. There's no question about it. And they still overcome it. And then, you know, so, something, guys, like I can't – I don't want to make it sound like I'm just gloating, like in case there are any – I don't know why they'd be watching this show, but if there are any England, you know, football fans watching the show, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm gloating. But I hope what happened to their team yesterday is a lesson to their fans in overconfidence. Like it – I mean, the, these guys, they were celebrating after the quarterfinal, like the tournament was over. It's coming. Oh, oh, it's coming home. It's coming home. Bangers and mash. Oh, like that's all that I hear. They're all Brett. Like, guys, you still have games to win. It's like the, the tournament is not over. Like after the quarterfinal, they're acting like it's done. I see these British pundits. Oh, it doesn't matter who they play. They're going to beat anybody. Spain, Italy, it doesn't make a difference to us who they play against. You know, you've got uh, you, buffoons like Gary Neville, you know, talking about, uh, oh, don't worry about Italy. They haven't played anybody. They're not really good, like completely disrespecting this team. It's like, man, like I've, I I can't imagine. And I'm not even talking about the English players, Southgate. Like I'm talking about the fans and I'm talking about the assholes in their media. Like I cannot imagine being that cocky and overconfident when your national team hasn't won a major trophy since the Beatles were still touring. Like it's it's ridiculous to me how they can be that braggadocious in these situations. But do you know, do you know what it's like? Do you know what it's like? What? This is the most likable English team I've seen in my life. And I watch Premier Leagues as much as Syria. And everybody that knows me knows that I'm I'm, I'm I watch every single team, even the small teams. Do you know this is like the, the one friend that is the nicest guy, but everybody kisses their ass, that you start to hate them without even knowing exactly who they are. This is what the media and the English fan did to this team. This team is is very good team. Like, the guys are really nice, and we saw yeah. that on the field. These guys are not the assholes like before from the English team. These guys are not like the John Terry's. These are not like these guys. This is not Rio Ferdinand. Hit you. Hard. <laughs> yeah, these are, these are the nice guys. The Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. Are not, Harry Kane is a nice guy. Yeah. Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling. These guys help the communities. They are not assholes. They don't brag about anything. And and, and by but, the way, they're, they're players, especially the ones who miss their penalty kicks, do not deserve the abuse that they're taking from some of their fans. That's what I'm saying. It's, these it's fans showed their, the fans... 
showed the actual colors of who they are after the loss. It's the same as when Germany lost and everybody said, you're not German, you're Turkish to Ozil and, the, and Emre Can and Sami Khadira. And this is the same as the French when they lost and said, you're Algerian, you're African, you're not French. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is what happens. Soccer showed people, showed the world who some people are. Really, yesterday, the amount of abuse these guys got is unbearable. I don't actually get the overconfidence. I mean, if you if you look at if you look at it objectively, yeah, they were a good team. They had promise. They had a chance as much as anybody to win it. But I mean, there were clear holes in their game. They were awful against Scotland. They were vastly outplayed for long stretches against Germany. I mean, they got a late goal. Let's not forget, Mueller misses a breakaway sitter. He puts yeah. that in like he's supposed to. That's Oof. a different game. Yeah. They might not go yeah. through. Uh, I mean, other than, okay, I mean, there was Ukraine where, I mean, the defensemen stood there like pylons on three headers. Nobody jumped. Nobody made a move. So I'll, I'll give them that game. And then, and then, uh, uh, <laughs> and then essentially, you know, there, 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 there's a lot of holes in their game. You could have saw this coming a mile away. Um, and then Denmark, obviously, they're, they're, I mean, they weren't that convincing. They played well in, in, in the second half and in overtime. Um, I would have been worried if I was an English, English fan. I, I don't get where all the, all, all the uh, hubris came from. Yes, and yeah. to go off a little bit with Marco saying, it's, it's actually, it's 100% it's truth. Like, if you watch the way that England survived, not survived, I guess, but just... They didn't, to me, they never showed that complete game. And yes, when you look at their side of the bracket, it just seems like it was just built for them to get here, right? Why? Well, you look at, besides Germany after that, you had all these other teams, Czech Republic, Denmark, um, Ukraine. I, I mean, are you kidding me? And then you look at the other side of the bracket and it's like all the powerhouses are to the left and England is to the right. Not to mention that they had a semifinal at home and they had the final at home. There was yeah. no excuse for and this nation not to actually win this whole thing. And, and what is their first title that they've been trying to crave since 1966. And, and, and yet, once again, you went to bed. And Germany is a big name, but that that's, that's probably the worst German team I've ever seen in my lifetime. Same. Oh, listen, listen, our guy, Kai, who's listening, he's a huge German supporter. Listen, when Mueller missed that shot, he tweeted out, I'm done. And I don't blame <laughs> him. That was the one opportunity that Germany had. But when you look at it too, Marco and guys, let's be honest here. That's Sterling penalty. I've seen, I, I don't still don't see that. Like, no, but they played way it. better than the yeah, Denmark. Yes, yes, they yes, they Mo, deserve right. to win. Yeah. They Mo, deserve to win. You're right. You're right. But Denmark deserved to get into penalties. Yes. They deserve that, a shot. That, at. that is my, my, they deserve you know, a shot. My, exactly. They deserve a shot. After everything they've been through, after losing Christian Eriksen in the first game at home the way they did. They made but the better team won. There. But the better, the better team, team won. won. But I would have, I like to at least see Denmark get an opportunity because to me that penalty should have not been called. And yeah, listen, it was I'm a Peruvian, bad call. Listen, I'm Peruvian, and I watched this Copa America and the way that Neymar was throwing himself and penalties were being given. I watched Sterling throw himself. And I'm like, what the? But, heck but, is but this? by the way, Manny, Manny, I want to ask you because you're you're the most impartial among us because uh, you know I, I know that you you may have been cheering for Italy yesterday, but that that's not your side historically. Uh, I saw a lot of English fans just losing their minds. When uh, when Chiellini had you know the the horse collar uh, near the end of the game, and they were like, "Oh, Dura I should have been a red, mate. It should have been a red. Like, dude, it's a yellow card. Like, I'm sorry, that's ball, not a straight red." Ball, and also, ball hit the handball. Yeah, yeah. Everybody forgets about the handball. No, you're exactly. not right. Nobody seems to it's remember the goal scored arm, but they remember Chiellini pulling the guy's neck. Like, get out of here with that. Bro. Oh, well, McGuire. 
Maguire holding his face. Oh, come like, on. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's not cynical. That's not unsportsmanlike. I mean, whatever. Well, Immobile is a scapegoat, so he'll always be the guy who gets, like, it's, it's always going to be Immobile because he's Italian and plays for Lazio. So, that, that, whereas Harry Kane and these guys play for top-notch clubs and we're, we're untouchable. I hope we save a segment for Immobile later. No, no, no. Uh, well, we're getting into that. I think, I think, I think it's, it's what we what we say what we say now is because we all. My first language is Arabic, but then my second language is English because I live in America, and that's why I listen to a lot of English uh, speaking podcasts and media. Right, like I turn on TV to watch any game, even the Italian league, and if I'm not watching in America, I'm watching the English commentator. So we are we only think that what happened in the last 15 days is because we listen to the English media. I read all the English newspaper. I read all the American newspaper, which is some of them are just pro-England, right? Mm. But, mm. but what happened after Italy won, when everybody started singing, it's coming Rome, that means it resounded everywhere. That English media, it reached the Italian players to make them sing it's coming to Rome instead of it's coming home. That means it was very annoying even for the non-English speakers who don't listen to the English media. Have you guys ever seen mm -hmm. this much overwhelming support for Italy in your lifetime? I don't know. Maybe no. it's because I'm from Toronto. And I mean, Jerry knows about the whole Italian-Portuguese rivalry. But I mean, you go... You, you go on, you go on the chat boards, you go on the, the comment sections of, of the Euro uh, uh, Instagram feed, and it's just overwhelmingly. It was over. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Before. I've never seen the French support Italy. I've never seen yeah. it like before. Or the I've never seen this the before. I, listen, it, it's like I understand, that, German, I, Marco. I understand, guys. I understand the Germans a little bit with the yeah, English, yes, true, but I never true. understand the French, like the French and the Italians. I think, like, I, think I, I think Mo. It's not just because. We, you know, we dislike the English because we don't, but you're right. This English team is probably the nicest group we've ever seen. They, they know, like, they don't have a Terry. They don't have a Gerard. Like, guys, they're just going to swing at your legs or anything like that. They're fans. It's what, it's yeah. what makes it hard to cheer for. And it's very mm -hmm. unfortunate, right? Because when I watch and go on Twitter, and instead of me being able to see those 5,000 heartbreaking Italians screaming their eyes and, and screams out that their team just won after being that one nothing on a road game, I'm seeing Italians getting thrown stuff at. I'm seeing English people getting taking out their frustrations on families leaving the stadium. That is complete horseshit. I yep. don't care who you are. And if you're an England fan today, and if you're seeing this, I hope that in some sort of way you have a child, you have a family, and when you go out to games, you be you don't behave like that. Because this beautiful game shouldn't come to that. But I cer I certainly think it's their fan base that makes it so difficult for and anyone outside. Yeah, anybody outsiders to say, I'm going to cheer for England. It's difficult for me. Yes, did I like David Beckham growing up? Absolutely. He played for my favorite club ever, Real Madrid. Once he put on the England jersey, fuck him. I hated them. Why? Because <laughs> of the England fans. The England fans to me. They make bro, it, they bro, make bro, it the, them the, against oh, the world. Exactly yeah, what you're saying. Mold. They make mm -hmm. it this. The England fans and Mexican fans. Nothing against Mexico. But their fan base, they think they win every single World Cup every single year. They get in your face and say, well, we're the ones that run Central America. 
I'm like, well, you run the Gold Cup for crying out loud. What are you celebrating yeah. about? You beat Haiti and Trinidad. And t- they couldn't even beat Trinidad. It's, it's, it's like it's they beat all the cruise ship night. ports. That's yeah. what Concacaf is. It's all the, pla- yeah. it's all the places you stop on a cruise ship. Hey, that's the best yeah. one. It's the best one I've heard about the Concacaf. So Look, yeah, Car- so to Car- me, Karma to me, it's a- just their fans. Yeah, to me, it's it's just their fans in particular that there's no way unless I'm close buddies buddies with one, I might cheat for him for five percent, ten percent. But absolutely no way. So none of you, none of you have any sem- sympathy for them for not winning. So for them having the most watched league, and now, exactly. I mean, which, but but the fact is, this is the the most famous league in the world. It's just a fact. Yeah, but then nobody has the sympathy like, for, for them. I, I can't take my Italian bias out of this one. I mean, may, may, maybe if it had been like, sorry, Manny, England versus France or something, I might have looked at it differently. And I don't have any hate for the French, no. but obviously France has, has won major trophies a lot more recently yeah. than England. So maybe if it was England against somebody else, I might have looked at it a different way, but I, I can't take my Italian bias out of this one. We, we had to get perspective from Z Germans as we bring in our buddy, uh, and I'm glad he could make it. He just got off of work, and he what a good dude. Just gets off of work and hops right in. Kai Chen Chisholm is in. He's at Samurai Radio on Twitter. Kai, good evening, sir. And I know that you were one of those people who you don't necessarily root for Italy, but you were rooting for Italy yesterday. Uh, yes, I was at my girlfriend's apartment and I was screaming at my TV, afraid that people were going to bang on her door and tell me to shut up. I was so, so excited yesterday. I think the biggest thing for me uh, with Italy winning is, and I think you guys touched on it a little bit here today as well, is that I don't think that anyone, I don't think that there's ever been a rally around the team. I guess Denmark, if they were in the final, then of course I think yeah. it would be half and half. But I don't think yeah. anyone has ever wanted to see England lose more than they did yesterday. Like it was like the entire world wanted them to lose. And man, it felt good to watch them lose. I can't lie. <laughs> you know, Jerry, Jerry, I want to give you the last word on this. Cause I, I know you, you were certainly very vocal on Twitter and I thank you for it. You know, calling people out the Gary Neville's and the, the Jamie characters of, of the I world. Lost 30 um, fucking followers doing that, man. <laughs> no, no joke. I, I, I just saw fucking numbers decreasing. I was like, really? Yesterday too. No, I lost so many stuff, followers. Call the English people, people. Man. Yeah. The English people were calling me all calling me like freaking loser. How, how dare you categorize everybody in one group? And I was like, I didn't say, wow. all. But I said there's a group of people, English fans, that ruin for all of them. But it's true. It's not just English fans. There's a group of Italian fans who probably will have done the – like Lazio fans, for example. Lazio is, is the prime example where there are a lot of good Lazio fans who go to the game and respectfully just watch the game. But then you got a, a, a group who do these stupid – Racist chants and yeah, go fasc- all the fashion, yeah, and who ruin it. And, and the problem is, they they generalize all Lazio fans when they shouldn't be all Lazio fans who are racist. And I think it's kind of a good comparison to England. And it's not all English fans who are bad, but it's the problem is once you see the media and you see people beating up people. It, it, it's a bad vibe, and you see how they're trying to get into the stadium, trying to get a free ticket by just barging in, and it, it's unacceptable. And I think it's worse compared to Lazio for one reason, because it's it's a national tournament and it's worldwide. Lazio is not worldwide. It, it's more 
in Italy where it's played in City. Uh, um, Europa League is not big as the uh, the Euros and the World Cup, say, or the South American Cup for that matter. But um, but for the most part, like it's just it's not right what England did. Um, I. I don't know what else to add to it other than what I've said yesterday, giving fingers and basically <laughs> showing the videos of what shouldn't be done. And you know what? I had some English fans who actually acknowledged the fact that um, they, there are those who did ruin it for them. But on a side note, any immobilist lander and I will fucking shut down this podcast right now. You son of a bitches. I will fucking... Come find you and murder you all. What is this fucking Kevin Lasagna bullshit? You, you, how dare you use Kevin Lasagna in the same sentence as Immobile? What has Kevin Lasagna accomplished in his life compared to Immobile? I love lasagna. Uh, no, yeah, I like lasagna on on, on freaking that Thanksgiving. Thanks, but and all the guy could even deliver for freaking. Uh, it was better like, in FIFA, FIFA last year. It was better yeah. in FIFA last yeah, year. Yeah, better in FIFA. Literally, it was actually better players than Immobile in FIFA. Really, I didn't know. Yeah, that. Absolutely, absolutely. People use the people use lasagna who had less stats than Immobile. Team of the season. FIFA doesn't God. lie, so I guess, I guess yeah, I, I will say know. I will say one Tired thing. Tired of this about fucking immobile slander. It fucking pisses me uh, off. Alex, can I say yeah. one quick thing before we get to immobile? Sure. Just, just just one last thing about England. And I respect Jerry's point. I think the one the one difference though is that while the racism exists everywhere, I mean obviously we've seen it with Balotelli, we've seen it with Italy with with Italy, we've seen it in Spain, Germany. But England right. takes their shit show all over the world. Every time there's a major tournament, that's the fundamental difference. And I'm not surprised they decided to take one big giant shit on their front lawn this time for the entire world to see. That's the difference between them and everybody else. Yeah, Chiro's a bozo. Fuck you, man. Because Bolotti did no fucking better than Chiro Immobile. They both shit the bed when they. That's had the, the problem. They, they they don't have a real strike. Well, hold on, real quick. I, I want to say something. As well. Hold on, hold on. I, I, I want to bring Jerry. I want to bring you back in on Chiro for a second. I just want I just want to close up the thing on the fans by saying, and I, I know I see uh, Mike No Go Zones is in the chat. Mike, it was great seeing you. We watched the game uh, together at Fritz and Franz in Miami with a couple of other friends of mine. It was a lot of fun. Um, and it was there, there were a decent amount of Italians there, but it was like it was 80 percent English fans and a lot of people from England, uh, the people that and, and the place was freaking packed like there it was standing room Florida style. Like I know I know for you Canadians, you guys have been like still in lockdowns recently in Florida. We've been full go for like nine months. So the place was freaking packed and the England fans there pure class like no nobody gave me any shit nobody was rude nobody tried to start any fights and I'll, I'll be honest and i know i know mike mike can agree with me uh you know we were screaming on the top of our lungs we were taking pictures with mike's italian flag in front of the big screen you know we weren't calling anybody out but i, I was being a little obnoxious and over the top for italy uh, i would not have been surprised if one of those english blokes had tried to punch me in the face but they didn't they were very classy they were very gracious in defeat, and I appreciate that. So obviously, I can't speak for you know English football fans all around the world, but the ones that were the ones that were in the bar with us the other day were pure class, and it was a lot of fun watching the game with them. And you know what? I would have I would have been the same to them had England won. If England had won in the penalty kick shootout, I would have 
been sad, <laughs> but I would not have been mean to anybody. I would have congratulated them, you know, the same way that they were really cool about it. So I thought that was a good experience. And football is saved. Football was saved yesterday. To be yes. Honest. Yes. Football. Now, listen, Gary, I, I already I, I said my my piece, you know, briefly today on Cheeto. I'm listen, Hold I'm on. not gonna slander the guy. No, no, what the fuck is this? Bellotti came on and they won. This idiot. Blocky didn't come on and he won. Blocky came on and he missed a penalty shot, you jackass. <laughs> Did you remember that? Oh, Blocky came on and the game was 1-1. He didn't win it for them. At the end of the day, Donnarumma won it for them. Get your yes. fucking facts straight, you son of a bitch. Now, uh, listen, the thing is, like, okay, like, like, Cheeto, like, he, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he did some things off the ball that people don't really appreciate, was not clinical with his touches, didn't have a great tournament, right? He was, he was kind of a passenger in this tournament. Like, you, you cannot say, that Immobile really stood out. You know, part of it was he wasn't getting a whole lot of service. Uh, another part of it is, you know, the way that Italy play, things aren't centered around the number nine scoring a lot of goals. They spread the goals out. Uh, and listen, and I also, um, that that's unfortunately not a formation that Immobile thrives in. I, I think that he thrives best in, you know, a two-man strike partnership in a 3-5-2. I don't think the 4-3-3 yeah. three, three suits him. So it is what it is. And, and listen, Jerry, if I'm being honest, I know you don't want to hear this. Now, of course, Italy were just able to win a very important trophy with Immobile as the starting striker, and maybe they can do that again. Uh, but if, you know, Mancini is still going to be the coach, I mean, in the World Cup in 2022, they're still going to be running that 4-3-3. Three, three. They're going to have similar personnel on there. I, I I kind of hope that by that time somebody like Raspadori or maybe Moise Ken can rise up and become a little bit more prolific because in the Italy shirt, I don't know if Immobile is the answer under Mancini. It's it's unfortunate, but I'm not going to rip and slander your guy because he did his job and he is a champion. Uh, I I just think that maybe within uh, you know the next year before the World Cup, we might be able to find somebody who can score at a more prolific clip in that shirt. So let me let me just add to this. Let me just ask, uh, tell you something about this. Chiro Immobile only succeeded in a two-striker formation, like what you said, Alex. And with Maurizio Sarri going to coach the club next year, Maurizio Sarri, we know, play 4-3-3 straight with the two wingers. So we're going to see, can Immobile adapt? If he can adapt to a 4-3-3 under Maurizio Sarri and produce even half of what he did for the last two or three seasons with Lazio, I think he will be the starting striker in the World Cup. Good point. If he Good can't, point. if he can't, that means this guy failed in Borussia Dortmund and other clubs because he cannot play the 4-3-3 system. It's as simple as this. So we'll have just to wait and right. see this season. And, I, and by the way, Jerry, I, I tweeted that out today. Actually, I, I, yeah. I actually agree with. I, I said that this morning, where it kind of hit me, where playing a guy under Sorry is, is the right guy. First off, because Sorry has basically converted Mertens into a number nine and has elevated the play of so many players. Like Husai, the, the the fullback at Napoli, when joining Lazio now, where he hasn't been as good since Napoli, since Sari left two seasons ago. Um, I think Sari is the, is the prime guy to make him suit a 4-3-3 and especially the fact that he'll be playing with the guys like Luis Alberto and Sergei Malinkovic-Savage will be interesting to see 
how Cheeto will adapt because they do have one of the best midfields in Serie A. So that shouldn't be a, an excuse. On a, on, a, on a side note, this this Bellotti greater than fucking Immobile, does, uh, does Bellotti have a golden boot? Can I ask you, does Bellotti have a golden boot, guys? Sorry, Bellotti um, is not the answer either. Yeah, I, 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 Mario's just troll. Or no, you know what it is? It, it's 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 Ma, it's Mario's um, Palermo thing. So like, uh, I, I can't take that seriously. I think oh, it's. Fuck. I think I think the Bellotti the argument is 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 a bit silly because what you what so you, stupid. You, you got you got you got you got you got to dance with 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 the partner you have. I mean, to a ball watcher, and I know Alex, you know that term because we you know we both listen to Omar Kelly a lot. Oh yeah, it's easy it's easy to piss on Immobile because you obviously you know he had some bad touches. He he holds on to the ball too long, late runs, etc. But you know, I think what you don't see a lot is his work off the ball. His excellent work rate, uh, things that you don't get with sort of like a Balotelli or or or, or, or a Keen, uh, even though they have better goal scoring ratios. And he really, he wasn't all that bad yesterday. He, we forget, he came within six inches of scoring. If it doesn't hit, you know, Maguire in the ass, uh, that that, <laughs> that that that's a goal. That was that 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 was a great take. And what options do you have? Because Belotti isn't it. And you know, you can make the argument that Keen should have been called not because he's a better player at this stage in his career. But I felt he just – he gives you that ceiling. He has a higher ceiling. And maybe you catch lightning in the bottle like how we, we caught lightning with Balotelli in, in 2012 where he arrives on the world stage. That was my argument for bringing him. That being said, you know, there's no choice. You, ha- you have to play him. Going forward, I think you need to do better at that, at that, at that position. Uh, the truth is, you know, I had an argument once with, with my brother because he was shitting on Balotelli once. And, and I, I, I brought up a goal-scoring rate for national. And – you know, Balotelli scored at a clip of two and a half goals a game per appearance. Uh, Immobile scores at 3.5. That's 52 appearances, 17 goals. That's not going to cut it. 52 appearances is a lot for a striker. And, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, the Balotelli's of the world, but you look at his goal rate for the national, it's right there with the Baggio's, the Vieri's, the, the Inzaghi's uh, in the modern game. I'm not talking about your grandfather's Italy with, with, uh, uh, you know, Rivera and guys like that. But the, the the bottom line is, you know, you need to do better than three and a half goals a game. And most of his goals come in qualifying against weak competition. So I don't know. So I, I want to go uh, around the table to, to make to make sure to make sure we cover some of the moments in the game uh, because uh, you know uh, the it, we we could probably talk about Immobile all night and then Jerry's heart is going to explode and it's going to be really going to be really awkward. So. I, I want to go around on, on some of the feelings. Yo, Kai, I, I want to start with you watching the game. And, and like Manny, you were a little bit more impartial uh, than than me, Jerry, Mo, and Marco. Um, when, when Luke Shaw scores the opener just two minutes in on what was a ghastly error uh, by Di Lorenzo, just completely ignoring the back post. And, of course, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in a stadium, Wembley, with like 70,000 and only five of them are cheering for Italy. And then the crowd gets into it. Anytime you concede on an ugly goal like that, and Italy looked pretty shaky in the early minutes, they settled down later in the first half, but they looked very shaky early on. And I'm thinking like, my God, if, 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 we, if we're not careful and thank God Mancini and company were very composed, but man, if we're not careful, I thought it could end up being two, three nil by halftime at this rate. Like I had a really uneasy feeling about it you know Italy were able to take control to the point where now you you guys know me I I don't really care for the 
possession stat. It's what you do with it. But Italy ended up having 68 or 62%, sorry, possession in this game. But what I really look at is the telling stat. And I'm not even one of these deep analytic guys. I keep it a little simpler. Chances created versus chances conceded, I, I think, are, are the most important. And you look at 20 shot attempts for Italy compared to just six from England. Six shots on target compared to just one from England. I mean, for as impressive as Donnarumma was, he didn't have to do a lot until the penalty kick shootout. So Italy were able to take control. But Kai, I will admit, I was very nervous, you know, in the second minute when Shaw scores and it's 1-0 and the crowd is going nuts. And I thought, man, this is going to be a long night. I don't think I was, I mean, I guess obviously not having a stake on it. Like if that was, you know, Germany in that position, obviously I would be nervous, but you know, Joachim Lowe is stupid, so it doesn't even matter. But <laughs> if like, I, I guess as a bystander and, and I, I'm, you know, obviously when Manny has his take, I'll be interesting to hear his side as well. I, I, I wasn't as nervous because I felt like, and maybe again, maybe just because I didn't have a stake on it. I felt like no matter what Italy was going to end up winning that game, like it just even while I'm sitting there driving and I'm listening to it, like as I'm getting ready to get home, um, shout to Fritz and Franz, by the way, I know you were there. Great place. But, you know, I, I wasn't really nervous, like even with the Luke Shaw goal, just kind of watching it. I just kind of felt that especially when Italy started to get settled, I know. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think at the at halftime when it came to possession, whether it's baseless possession or not, you know, having I think it was 65 to 35 when it yeah. came into the half and they really started to actually get into their own and kind of dominate the game. And one of the things that Manny said yesterday when we had a show on 5R, and I think it, it strung really well, is kind of like, you know, England scored early, and by the time that they were ready to actually play their game, Italy was already kind of controlling the game. Italy was already kind of in it and trying to get to what they wanted to do. And it just, I mean, in that, what, 15-minute stretch from when the Italy actually got the goal, it just seemed like they were going to score. It, 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 like, barring Pickford, who I think was great all tournament, by the way, but barring like an insane just him turning into what Donnarumma was and what Donnarumma was the entire tournament, you know, it just there seemed like there was no way that Italy wasn't going to score. And then I think when it came into pens, I'm sure you guys were all nervous, but I think we know what England is like in penalties and mm -hmm. it showed. But it, it just I didn't think that there was any way that Italy was losing yesterday. I would have been stunned, to be honest with you, even like if. If they had lost maybe an extra time, then I would have understood like it is what it is. But in full, like, you know, full time, I did not think that they were going to lose. Manny, you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah, guys, give me one second. My oh, no, no problem. No problem. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm um because I actually went to try to meet up with Alex, but the place was too packed. Parking was, it was too packed. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch the game at home. And they score in the second minute. And I'm thinking, okay, this is unknown territory for Italy. They're basically playing at England, at Wembley. It's going to be interesting to see the reactions of this team, right? Because I, um, I don't remember them being down in the whole tournament, right? Like if, when I'm trying to think, what were they ever down in a crucial match in the quarter? I don't, I don't think they were no, down, period. They were never down. Yeah, they yeah. were never down, period. So now it, this is such unknown territory for such a young team with a new – with a new philosophy system that they've been building for two to three years, what's going to be their reaction, right? And then in my eyes, well, if, in all honesty, guys, if England would have somehow scored another, then that's when I think Mancini would have had to do something that he hasn't done in all tournament, which is guess what? We need to have three up top, create the three lines in the back. I don't care what it is. Have the four or five guys in the middle, possess it, and go forward. Because in my eyes, I think England would have totally had control of the game if they would have scored one more. But they didn't take – they did not take that, you know, um, England did. They really didn't do anything besides maybe one or two more 
you know, chances in the first half. It was more of a game after England scored. What would Italy do? How would they create chances? Let's see if that Gareth Southgate defensive mind of clogging the outside and having Italy play through the middle. And this is when I think in the 60-plus minute, nothing that's – Jerry, don't get mad at me. Immobile got substituted. It opened it more for false line for Insignia, and it just created so much more spaces for those flankers to just push and push and push and create corner kicks, get fouled, create chances in the box. And that, to me, was such a tactic that Southgate just really didn't know what to do until wow. it was almost the 90th minute. Oh, let's put in Zach Grealish. Let's see what happens. Saka, go in. And then 18-year-old, out of, all, out of all things, go in there and create possession. By that moment, the game was already over in my eyes. Because, listen, Alex, and my Italian faithful here, mm-hmm. France and Italy have had their shares of unbelievable matches, man. Whether gone to penalties, whether gone to extra times. I mean, listen, with David tries to get with me, with you guys in 06, it, there's there's so much history there that we can probably say, listen, it, it, it would if I would have really wanted a France Italy, but that's just me. Um, there's no <laughs> way though fun. in my there's no way though in my eyes that this goalkeeper that Italy has mirrors so much of what Gigi Buffon was for Italy such a long time, and the kid is still young, and you have 37 year olds that are planning on going on vacation starting on Wednesday. And these guys are playing at the top of their game in which I think I read a stat. They didn't play together a lot last season, right? Which, or, 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 or whatever it was, right? Cause you know, one was her and whatever, but yeah. it's, 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 it's that Italian connection, man. It's, it, and it's so unfortunate because I, I was hoping that Veron could do that with Kimbebe and grow something, which it's been total shit show, you know, but I never lost faith in Italy because of them only being down one. And the moment right. I saw in the moment I saw that change in the 16 minute, and it just felt like Italy just possessed and pushed. And and like and it's like I told Kai, by the by the time England said, Oh shit, we have a chance to actually score and win this, it's one one. The legs weren't there, the minds were tired. It's like, you know, and then, then Southgate tries to create a substitute, trying to get on guys to shoot PKs, puts Marcus Rashford, you know, as a CB in the corner. I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're really desperate right now because your <laughs> game plan, when you should have been going for the game during the game, you decided to say, you know what, I'll hold for penalties. You don't ever do that. You play to win as long as there's time on the clock. And to me, they just decided to hold it back and wait a little bit. And I think They're just – it, it, Oh, and attack too, but again – how many times have we seen goals with Italy from set pieces in his, in historic moments, right? Yeah. I remember Grosso, bro. I, I remember that goal, like, unbelievable. Came off a corner, it bounced a little bit. Pirlo found him, that lefty shot. Like, that to me will always be an, an incredible moment that I've ever watched in World Cup history. But we've seen Italy score all those moments. And it, to me, it just seemed like England froze. And it sucks, right? Because Harry Kane, I think, should have been more vocal. Harry Maguire should have been more vocal. You know, it's just that these, these guys were unprepared. They seemed like they had the game won. And as soon as Italy punches them in the face, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, just, that's the other thing. It was that attack for England. And I, I said it, you know, yeah. yesterday. And I guess also it kind of just depends on, and I'm, I guess I would like to get everyone else's take on it as well. It's like, you never saw like Harry Kane showed up against these teams that England's supposed to beat. These are teams that you're supposed to go out there and destroy. And like he showed up. Yeah, that's great. But it's like in the group stage, he didn't show up. And then when it mattered most him, Sterling, everyone just went flat. Yeah. It's like the, the England's attack yeah. just for all the promise they have. And a guy that 
some people try to say is better than Lewandowski can't show up in that big moment for you. It's like, dude, it, it, I, I, it was crazy. After all the praise that Gareth Southgate was getting for, you know, getting them to that moment and the penalty kick against Denmark that shouldn't have been, it's like you saw kind of that weakness that you have these guys. I mean, he didn't, almost didn't even get the substitutions for the players who missed the penalties on at the end of the game. But that's not that's not his fault, by the way. That's that's no, not his fault it's, because it's it's a practice. He should have been more. No, 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 no. But it's it's it's. I I I I I heard this today. There is practice. There is an order in practice the day before the game and the day before the game. They practice and they know that these people are the best. They missed. Baju missed the penalty in '94. Oh, I'm that not, doesn't I'm not mean. talking about that. I'm talking about but, he didn't even almost get them on the field. Because his team is taking it's a, so that's like that. management Depends. problem. But for yeah. him to choose these guys to shoot, it's not a personal choice. Marcus Rashford shoots penalty, and apparently in practice, these guys are actually the best, along with Harry Kane, to shoot penalties. Yeah. I'm sure he chose them for a reason. Like he wouldn't right. put oh, a 19 yeah, no. years old. He wouldn't put a 19 years old to shoot unless this guy scored every single one in the practice for the last 10 days. Yeah. No, I don't. May I, I don't say just one more thing on this? One more sure. thing, and I won't move on. Go ahead. So I thought these two tweets from Get French News. I think it's amazing. So um, I, I, I forgot the guy's name, but he said, as um, he says, Gareth Southgate's philosophy mirrored that of Deschamps, with lots of major talents, perhaps less world class quality, but the same ruthless pragmatism. Sorry, <laughs> centered on countering via fullbacks and a defense with a strong chemistry, and it nearly worked. But yeah. as France found out in 2021 in these in this Euros, is it sustainable? Especially when you have such attacking potential in a country that just doesn't want to win, but just do it in style. Italy, by contrast, had the most refined philosophy of all in all sides at the tournament, and it was so compelling. I think okay. that tweet right there showed the Italy, the Italy confidence in where Mancini trusted and made it happen. Gareth Southgate waited and hoped that it happened. That's what I said. I'm going to wait for Marco to say what he wants to say before I put my take on tactically on the game. Go ahead. Yeah, go uh, ahead, Marco. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I mentioned it before. It was just full, full disclosure. I mean, I that, that goal at the two-minute mark, that was a kick in the nuts. It was it, it, it winded me. I was worried. <laughs> Only because, like I said, it's just the way the story seemed to unfold. It almost seemed too perfect that it was, it was written this way. I underestimated Mancini. I mean, he just, he didn't, I mean, I, I kind of questioned the Cristante uh, um, substitution, but, you know, who the hell am I? In retrospect, it worked. The, 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 we, don't forget, we lost three key members to injury in that second half in overtime. Chiesa, Insigne, Verratti all went out, not because of fatigue, all because of injury. And just, they didn't miss a beat. The replacements came in. And they didn't miss a beat. England still looked shell-shocked. They could just not regain their composure. They could not adapt. Italy adapted to everything that happened in the game. Every injury. And, I mean, you guys mentioned sort of... This, this wasn't conservative. This was beyond conservative. I mean, at one point, for most of the game, all Pickford was doing was just... They didn't attempt to play the ball out. It was just box-to-box, box, hoping it bounce off Chiellini's melon and 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 hit <laughs> go off somebody's shin. That's what they were... I mean, there was 15 minutes left in the second overtime, and they're throwing it in into the box. They're not even attempting to play the ball on the ground. They deserved it. They, they got what they deserved. J Jerry, I, I want to get you in on this as well, man. With, with just With the way the game played out, 
from how are you feeling two minutes in when Italy concede? And, bro, and, and we're in a group chat together. I was so mad at Di Lorenzo. Like, I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? And, and he was he was pretty poor in that first half. Uh, so, so your take when Italy went down, and then of course when when Bonucci finally scored, and it was one of those amazing, just gritty workmanlike goals. Like, get in there, get in there. Uh, you, I, I thought more were coming in regulation, to be honest. Oh, I can't hear you. You hear me now? Yeah. Okay, I had to unmute uh, the microphone. That's why. No I thought that Italy were pretty fortunate to have tied the game in a way because the way the goal went, Pickford actually made the save and and credit to, to Bonucci for following up on the rebound and not quitting on the play. Um, where do we – I know we had chances throughout the game. I love how people think that we were going to score four or five goals, but it was never coming because Pickford was on his game just like Donnarumma was on his game. Um First half was all England, in my opinion. I thought they were really dominant in that midfield. Italy just were it took it took us a while to progress into the game, maybe because they were nervous being the visitors. The, the England got the jump that they needed. I know that they didn't really sustain much. I thought Harry Kane didn't have a bad game. Can, you know what? You guys want to criticize Immobile? I'll, I'll give props to Kane because his holdup was bar none amazing in that game. Anytime the ball came to him, it glued to him. He didn't lose control. He 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 gained composure. He got an advantage. I thought his end product was kind of lackluster, and he didn't do much with it. Uh, Raheem Sterling, fantastic game. I thought that his speed was bar none amazing. He created a lot of chances, was still going in extra time. He had multiple chances down the right wing. Just didn't have the service maybe in the final end. I think the biggest problem was the substitutions for England. We can say that it was starting to run out for England. But at the same time, you guys, I was looking at the substitutions. What about if Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford come in a half an hour earlier? Yeah. What, oh, is yeah. The, what does the game look like now? Oh, yeah. We, we can say all you want about how Italy stepped up. And Italy, that's not the players itself only. That's the manager Bingo. saying. I, that's the manager at the end of the day making. Everyone says that the manager doesn't control the game. It's the players who control. It's the players who do it on the pitch. But we just learned yesterday that it's not just the players who have to make it happen. It's the manager who has to make it happen. Everyone criticizes criticizes Mancini against Austria that he took too long, that he didn't make the right decisions, that why did he – look what he did yesterday. He went with Cristante. Fucking Twitter world says, well, why Cristante? Cristante sucks. He This guy can't – this guy plays a back three in fucking Roma. He's not good. Oh, I didn't know everybody was Mancini. That's why I laugh. I love how people call him out for for consistently starting Immobile, for consistently for, – for going to Chiesa – over Barardi when everyone's like, oh, why Chiesa? We got a super sub. This notion of a super sub is stupid. I'm sorry. Unless your name's Felipe Caicedo, an example, that's <laughs> a super sub. Why is he a super sub? Because he doesn't, he's not known to be a starter. He is known to come off the bench and be impactful for 20 minutes. That's not Chiesa. Chiesa's impactful for 90 minutes. 
That's why I don't like the stupid super sub notion. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You want to use him as super sub one in that one, two games? Sure, he did it. But to, to consider him as a super sub going forward, Mancini proved everybody wrong. He was the right guy to start over Berardi. Um, he, he did everything right. Maybe injuries did force him. Um, I don't know. I didn't hear about injuries. Maybe you know more, Marco. I thought that it was just the fact of – you don't want to run these guys to 120 minutes. Let's just be realistic. And people were calling out Mason Mount, and, and he wasn't good against England. But you also have to remember, Mason Mount played Champions League up right. until the last day. Mason Mount played almost every game for England. Like, what do you want? And I think that's a big factor to, to guys such as Immobile and Barella, who were really non-existent as the as the tournament progressed, and maybe the fact that these guys, and I'm not saying it's an excuse, but these guys have played a lot of football this season. Mm -hmm. Maybe giving Belotti another start over Immobile would have been maybe better, just to help Immobile give a rest, give him some time to heal. Even Barella taking him out and you let him heal. But at the end of the day. It, it's easier to say in hindsight, but it, what worked, worked, and, and you won the games. But I'm just saying, looking back, maybe that could have benefited players just to give them an extra day of recovery because they have played a lot of minutes. Um, for England, I thought it was a balanced game. It could have gone either way. Like, look at the goal, how Italy scores. Like When they had good chances, like Chiesa missed the right side just from outside, and, and, and he, he manhandled Declan Rice. And I, and I get everybody's calling him out. Oh, did you guys see how Kia's a body Rice? I thought Rice was their best midfielder and their best player of the game. Soon as Rice came out of the game, they didn't have anything in that midfield anymore. They lost that, that, that attacking. They lost that speed. They lost that creativity to move forward. I, I'm I'm the worst to pick up players and, and what everyone's doing because I, I find it so difficult for myself to catch 22 players on the pitch and, and who stands out, who doesn't. I always get that one guy. And Declan Rice really stood out to me yesterday. I was calling him out earlier in the tournament thinking that he was overrated. You called him I, Uncle Ben in the last I episode. think he's a, I think I think that this is it's just Twitter being foolish and calling him out that he's shit. I think he's a, a great <laughs> I think it's stupid personally. I think he's a really good midfielder. Is he worth 80 million? Absolutely not. Yeah. Is he worth 40 million probably? I'd see yes. Yeah. That, that's a fair evaluation for him. Guys, the guy did, did everything he could to help his team. At the end of the day, you got a guy named Jaden Sancho who just got bought for $73 million. That That rings a bell. If you're someone worth $73 million, does it say, oh, maybe I should start this guy? I know that money shouldn't determine a player, but it, it kind of rings a bell that you don't just throw him into penalty shootout and, and say that, hey, you played for three minutes, go shoot. It's all it's all on Gareth Southgate yesterday. I thought that he overall he had a good tournament. Can't say he didn't because they did what they had to to get to the finals. We can all say that they had every game at home. I'm not going to use that now because they lost at home in the final game. And I thought the pressure was really on them in the last two games. Playing at home, it doesn't always benefit you. 65,000 fans are on your back, especially fans like England where they're just really rowdy and can be very vicious. They had a lot of racist comments thrown towards them Terrible. from the English fans. I think that's a disgrace because 
that you're, you're insulting yourself by insulting your players. You're telling your own country to go fuck itself. That's what you're basically saying, in my opinion there. But I can keep going. But at the end of the day, guys, you, you don't bring Rashford and, and, and Sancho at, the, at two minutes half, two minutes left. Even Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish should have came in maybe at the 80th minute, yeah. 70th. Like those are three impactful players. And then I thought, if anything, I thought he was coming on that late to potentially take a penalty, and he didn't even get to take a penalty. Yeah, stupid, so stupid. Like he should have taken the shot. You don't make a nineteen-year-old take the last shot. But who? Would, what the fuck do I know, guys? Those, those guys get paid fucking millions of dollars. They they have won championships. They have proven everything. They're at the top of the level. I'm just a guy on a podcast speaking my opinion. So. At the end of the day, I don't like to criticize players. I don't like to criticize managers because it's a difficult situation. And at the end of the day, and I, I know it's a cliche or it's an obvious thing that one has to win, one has to lose. Um, it's shootout. We can say that Marcus Rashford, we could have said that maybe whoever didn't, I don't know, Sterling takes a shot. Who's to say that Sterling scores? You know right. what I mean? You can say that he misses too, even though he's a veteran. Bolotti. Bolotti is one of the best penalty shooters. And, and, and did he score? No. Nope. So we can we can and, and dude, free freaking Jorginho. So after after yeah. Jorginho's yeah. ice cold penalty against Spain, um, I see everybody on Twitter talking about how Jorginho is the best penalty kick taker in the entire world. <laughs> and then you see, and, and in fact, hold I, 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 yeah, hold your thoughts because I, w- I want to go around the table uh, before we wrap it up. Just on that one more thing, final thoughts, because we haven't, like like Jerry, you brought it up. So I want to let you continue your thought. We'll go around the table. Just what, what everybody was thinking uh, during the penalty kick shootout, because I, I thought this was interesting, this message from uh, from Mike No-Go-Zones. Even though we were watching the game at the same place, he must have been paying more attention to some of these details. He asks, what's the panel's view of the showboating done by some of the English players during the penalty kicks? Guys, I'll be honest, I was so hyped and yeah. nervous and anxious, I didn't notice. Like, I, yeah, if they were showboating, personally, like, maybe you guys like, saw it differently. All I was thinking Jorginho about is what's going in, what's not. I didn't notice whatsoever in showboating. I'm when not Jorginho, against it. When Jorginho missed, Pickford did this. So really? Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that, honestly. Wow. I'm not against it. I, 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 I'm for it. Whatever, whatever works to get into the mind of a player. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not that. against it, man. As yeah. long as you there are no hard feelings, absolutely. Yeah, say yeah, whatever. Argentina did it. Goes it, back to your line. it goes back to your line. All these guys are making freaking millions of pounds and millions <laughs> of euros and dollars. Like, if you want to talk a little trash during a shootout, yeah, you need to get to your opponents' heads. Yeah. I'm fine with it. There's no rules that says you can't talk down to a player during a shootout. It's not disrespectful. What is this church? Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, well, hey, cool. We all have to like uh, sit down and be graceful. Just and, wanna, and don't disrespect the the Bible. Just want like, to add something regarding De Lorenzo being at fault for the goal. Actually, I have to say I disagree with everyone that said that because okay. absolutely, it was Southgate brilliant plan in the beginning of the game two minutes when nobody expected him to go back to 3-5-2 where he puts three on the sides Walker, Trippier and Sterling on the right Mount uh, it was Mount, Shaw and Maguire on the left Italy did not know who to press, who to mark before the Jorginho injury 
Luke Shaw was free all the time when he goes forward because Chiesa did not know that this is my guy. I should track back this person until Mancini brought him to the side and told him, hey, listen, you and Insignia are the wingers. You need to track the, the wing backs, not the center backs on the outside. And Harry Kane actually dropped and everybody on the right side, it was Trippier, Walker and Sterling on the side and Mason Mount and, and then Harry Kane went to the 18. Uh, Di Lorenzo had to tuck in with Bonucci to mark Harry Kane because Harry Kane was the last one on the line and Luke Shaw came in free. It was supposed to be Chiesa or one of the midfielders. It was not Di Lorenzo. This is when you play a four in the back versus a five, the winger has to track back. There is no other way around it. And that's what happened. It's not Di Lorenzo's fault. Good shout, I, man. Great breakdown. Yeah. Great breakdown. So to be it, honest, it's yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to continue when you're done with that. Let, let me know your take on the shootout as well, man. Yeah, yeah. But just one more thing. Yeah, sure. The problem with Southgate is that that goal hurt them more than the, it benefited them because the players dropped back and Italy would not have scored. Italy had two chances. Chiesa shoot with the left in the first half and the shot that Pickford said in the second half. Otherwise... The two defensive midfielders, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice, actually shot down the Italian midfielders. They let us have the ball, but there was no chance. There was no big chance. Mm -hmm. People are saying we should, we could have won only after the 67th minute where actually England tried to play again, but it was too late. The players mentally were actually thinking that we're going to defend the 90 minutes and we're going to win this 1-0, but it didn't happen and the Italian scored. He tried to bring in Saka for Trippier and switch to four in the back, but it didn't work because the players were now thinking, oh, I have to defend for the 90 minutes. That's why the position, even after he brought in Saka and switched to three up front, it was still 65 to 35. Even after he brought in Grealish, they could not hold the ball. It was 65 to 35 if you break down the game. it's I think it's it hurt them more that they scored early in the game and shout out to Mancini, who actually second half brought in the wingers inside and let the fullbacks fly more to create more chances and have a lot of position around the 18, which is why we got two free kicks around the 18 instead of having the free kicks outside. But Southgate did not read that because the players were just sitting back, even Harry Kane. Mm -hmm. As for the penalty kicks, I have shot penalty kicks all my life, right? And it's all about who shoots better. I missed one out of 50 during all my life. And it's because, and nobody can tell me, do not shoot penalty kicks. So I'm sure everybody that shot penalty kicks were supposed to be the best uh, uh, kickers. Like Jorginho, Bernardeschi. You wouldn't let Bernardeschi shoot penalty. The guy is low in confidence, but he shot the penalty kick. Again, it's the Spanish team and again, it's the... Right. Uh, the English team as the best penalty taker, like it was quite calm. Here you go. This is it in the corner. Boom. I score my penalty. Jorginho missing the penalty. Actually, Pickford is an amazing goalkeeper and penalty. Oh, yeah. he proved this. I did not know that he can save penalties. The guy waited with Bonucci and waited with Jorginho, waiting for them and dived the right way. Donnarumma, of course, his height helped him. And the English player sucking at penalty kicks helped him. But both goalkeepers are actually fantastic. And the best team won because in England could not actually 
recreate their game again, which was the pressing they did in the first two minutes after Italy tied the game. Marco, I'll go to you next. Uh, what, what was your view on the PK shootout, the way it unfolded? Because uh, my, my heart was in my throat that entire time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I already mentioned, I mean, I'm older, I'm older than you guys and penalty shots in, in most of my childhood were absolute torture. You can <laughs> go look at my, uh, the house I grew up in and look at all the holes in the drywall as, 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 as evidence. Um, I mean, it, 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 it went the way I think it, it, it had to go. I think Donnarumma, uh, you mentioned guessing he's, he's guessed right more than a few times in this tournament there was a couple just perfect shots even in the in the in the spain uh uh shootout where they were placed in the top corner and he guessed right um i'm not gonna lie i think when Jorginho missed i was deflated i thought same bro i'm thought oh this is because it was all Jorginho had to do he scores it was over right there and when he didn't i was like oh my god maybe it is going home I just felt at that point that was a TSN tournament. Well, you guys don't know what you guys don't know what TSN is. Jerry knows the. Uh, oh, I do. <laughs> that that was the turning point, and I thought this is it. This is this is the way it's going to go. The guy that, as you guys mentioned, Twitter has just uh, anointed the best penalty shot taker in the history of the game. Uh, just two hours ago, is the one that's going to lose it. But I mean, Donnarumma. I mean, I'm obviously Milanista, so I mean, it was bittersweet because I think he's. <laughs> arguably the best goalie in the world, definitely in the top three. And it's going to suck to see him. In I'm sorry, dude. I'm year. sorry, dude. I'm yeah, sorry. And you know what? And, and, I, and, and I said this uh, on, uh, I was doing our, uh, our daily dose of interpod on the channel today. And I even said it like, honestly, uh, obviously uh, I didn't, I didn't love Donnarumma being on Milan, but I'd rather him play for Milan than play abroad. Cause I, I said, just lost their best keeper and the best Italian keeper. You hate to lose a guy like that to PSG. So it sucks, man. I'd, I'd rather him play for Milan than PSG. I think it's going to really hurt them next year. I think, obviously, they, they, they have a lot of holes to fill. Well, I mean, they filled some of them, but they definitely need an attacking mid and, and, and a right wing. But, I mean, especially in the Champions League campaign, with a goalie like that, I don't know. So let me let me go to the uh, to to the ones who were probably a little bit a little bit less emotional than we were. Uh, Kai, well, what was your view on that penalty kick shootout, man? What, How, the fuck what was, was it your like fucking view, you piece of goddamn German fan? Your team <laughs> shit. Fucking, you got a manager who picks his ass and picks his boogers and he eats it. He's not the manager anymore. What's with that? We did have a manager. Don Flick is going to save Germany. Let me be clear yeah. with that. Hansi. Yeah, yeah. You know, Who has to pass by my my uncle Roberto Mancini? Listen, Don Flick is going to save Germany from the the hellhole that they've been in. Hey, did did your volume get lower? Like you you sound a little low it now for some reason. It might. Oh, okay, have. here we go. Am I good now? There we Perfect. go. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So I had to add a different you know thing to the mic. Maybe a little. Anyways, so just quickly because you know I want to just go back at Jerry really quick on this. Uh, just to to make a comment on my my German national team. I think if anyone watched uh, Germany play, you could see that Joachim Lowe, first of all, once again, an idiot. Um, and second of all, eh, it, it, is, it is what it is. It's Hansi Flick time. Anyways, with Italy, I, I think just with the, the penalty shootout, and I saw someone tweet out, and it was an English follower that uh, <clears throat> did follow me until, you know, I mocked everybody. But someone, someone who I follow as well. But I saw them tweet that, oh, the curse was lifted once they beat, you know, Colombia and then <clears throat> shoot out in the World Cup, and they're gonna go ahead. They're gonna win it. It's coming home. 
I thought that Jorginho was going to make that after that that second save from Donnarumma. I was like, oh, this game is done. This it's it's over. And then once he missed, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I looked at my my girlfriend who knows nothing about <laughs> football. But I looked at her and I was like, I can't believe that that dude just missed. And she was like, well, you know, two other of England missed. And I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, I, it's I don't know. You it's crazy that he missed. And when, you know, they put out Bukeo Saka, I was like, ah. I think he'll probably miss, but like who knows? Like these things are just unpredictable. I think, and and just from a side of like the English fans, and I know like it was mentioned a little bit earlier, and I just kind of want to touch on it a little bit. I could have never been so like happy to see that happen, not just for Italy and for you and Jerry and for everyone here that you know is here and interacting and and, and loves the team and just in general, I've seen your team win, seeing your national team win is is something magical um and your team i know for inter winning sorry uh jerry and marco you know them winning the, the league this year magical. so i i think just for that alone i was i was very happy for you guys i was very happy for italy it's probably the first time i think i've ever actually rooted for italy um but i think it was great to watch the england fans who not the ones who are being extremely racist and ignorant and and just saying crazy things on Twitter, but those who have just been saying it's coming home, and I mean the it's coming to Rome thing was amazing to hear and see. Like that was just the greatest thing because I think the ignorance, playing every game but one in your home stadium, like it just all came and it was just like the greatest football. Really, I, I can't remember who said that football was saved yesterday, but football was really saved yesterday. Could you imagine? <laughs> how horrible it would be until the Qatar World Cup in December next year for everyone to listen to English fans proclaim that they're the greatest thing. Oh, we invented football. We won the Euros. We're better than everyone. None of you guys are anything. Hey, for karma, a country that invented football, they suck at it. So. Karma's, you, a, karma's a thing. Karma's a thing. So they can come talk to me in 2075. Well, Kai, unfortunately, God. you must not know uh, Argentinians, man, because they're annoying as hell, too. <laughs> I was kind of rooting for them. I mean, I watched the Copa oh. America final on Saturday. I mean, I don't know. I didn't really have a rooting. I, I, wasn't. Just, I, was, rooting, I was rooting for Lautaro Martinez. Like, I don't know. That, that's kind of what he it was. He did a stinker on Saturday. That's what he did. Oh, yeah, but he was good semifinal, though. He was huge. I heard he was good uh, semifinals. Yeah, he was. Um, Manny, Manny, what was your take on the PK shootout? By the way, Brooklyn, Rob, fuck you, but I love you, man. No problem. Um, <laughs> I think, in reality, I got nervous when Jorginho missed, but I saw the way that the quickness that Donnarumma was able to get to that Harry Kane penalty, even though he scored, but the way he was just able to just throw himself and get there, he was just a millisecond away from blocking that penalty kick, gave me the confidence in knowing, man, with everybody else, besides Harry Maguire's kick, obviously, because that shit just went straight corner, and there's no possible goalie unless they had eight arms, and it was probably going to get you know saved. But when I saw Donnarumma just get inches away from that, from that fast strike of Harry Kane's penalty kick, I said, man, that to me showed the confidence that he could stop every other one. And he stopped, I think, what, the last two or three or, or you know, whatever. You know, it's it's not like England's kicks were over the bar. Like my, like my Peruvian guy, freaking uh, Christian Cueva does all of a sudden. He kicks the ball over to the freaking crowd every single time. These mm-hmm. kicks still had a line of goal. And for him to still be able to save it, to me, that gave me the confidence that even it wasn't saved against Harry Kane, but with everybody else, obviously without Harry Harry's um, kick, just give me the confidence that this man here can literally block any everybody else's if it's not kicked well, right? 
because because you know Mo knows more than anything. Right? He he missed one out of out of you know fifty. What was it, Mo? Out of fifty, right? And I'm sure Mo can tell you. Well, the one I missed, I didn't hit it good enough. It was slow, and it gave the goalie a quick reaction to know what. The Maybe hell the goalies were not that good that I play against, <laughs> <laughs> except for the one. <laughs> but, yeah, no, but, but no, to, to me, I, he I've didn't always, miss. I've always been big on goalkeepers growing up. I saw Oliver Kahn, I saw Gigi Buffon, I saw Tim Howard. And to me, when you wrap it around and you have oh, Tim Howard there, was good, man. He was oh, good. Tim yeah, Tim, great. Tim Howard was well, actually really good. Good show. Say that I have anything else but him. So yeah, yeah he was good, man. I thought the best penalty, the penalty, the best penalty taker yesterday was Bernadeski. I, yeah. I was about to say the same yeah. thing, and, and he I was. I thought Bernadeski was the best. The, the, the semifinal kick that he had best. was perfect, top corner. He has a different confidence with the national. It's just his yeah. body language is, is, I mean, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but. He's the opposite of Immobile is what you're saying. Well, <laughs> think about it. Think about how much, it's true. No, you're right. Think about how much shit he takes with Juve. He just takes too but much. The guy sucks. The guy sucks. Well, I mean. The guy sucks. You have like the, the greatest. Shit, he sucks. The guy. No. The guy sucks. He didn't even play this year. How do you play only... He Every time they position. played him, he's, he's not the stinker. Every time because they you tried have, you have the greatest yeah. player in the history of the game that plays this position. That's that's a problem. Yeah, like he's not playing consistently. You can't play one game, sit ten, play a game, sit ten. What do you what do you build for, man? You need consistency. That's exactly what happened to Vidat Marici this season. That's the only thing I'll defend him on. Is as bad you, as he. Are you bringing as bad this as he's guy like, into the conversation now? Are you bringing no, I, into the conversation I now? Am. It's required. Because it's in I Jerry's agree. contract. Every episode he's got. <laughs> I, I agree. He's a terrible player, but you also have to give players consistency, time to adapt. Like I, I'm just. I, I think that I know Bernadeschi has been linked to Lazio. Bring him if they can get him on a, on a good deal. I think he will change completely in that Lazio that. squad. I know, good luck to that, but I think that he <laughs> is the perfect fit for Lazio with Sari in the 4-3-3. He'll get the player's position. Lazio needs wingers. He is a good fit there. I think that he would – he just needs a new environment. I think the yeah, pressure – Yeah, he needs a new change of scenery. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, playing for Juve is not for everyone. He played in Fiorentina where the pressure is not there. He, he, he flourished. He did well. He left right before it really got bad, and now he goes to Juve. It, 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 look, guys like Ronaldo are strong mentally, physically, and can tell everybody to go fuck themselves and still approach the game in the right manner and play still at a high level like he does. Bernadeschi doesn't have the mental fortitude that Ronaldo has. Um, I, I Do I think that Bernadeschi is a terrible player? I think that's wrong. He he has potential. What is he? Like Twenty something. Still has the ceiling to, to 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 play much better football. I'm with Marco. He needs to get out, leave. Like signing him to a new contract makes no sense to me. I don't know why they're even thinking that. They should sell him. Get what you can get. Cut your ties because he's going to be riding the bench this summer or this season. Because look, here's another example. Okay. Uh, well, Kulovsky, everybody thought that he wasn't great this season. Well, when you got Chiesa and Kulo on the right side, and they're both right-footed, right they're, they're right-wingers, 
why the heck would you spend that money for another good? I don't, I, and I don't get me wrong, they're both great players, and you want them both in your team, but now you're gonna play one on the left, and they don't play left, so you're you're ruining a player, and then he gets categorized as oh, Kiez is not good, oh, Deon is not good. But, like, sure, they're not good if they're not playing their natural position. Hey, Brooklyn, I'll give you a fucking this. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, come on, man. Like, I, I hate this notion of how people are bad. They're not good, but they're not playing their natural position. And instead of buying one of those players, you could have got a, a midfielder like Locatelli now, where they could have yeah. had the money already to buy him. I think he's going to end up there, but probably the only big move they make this summer. I, I, I'm not guaranteeing that Juventus wins this good death of the season because they didn't do enough to make their team better. Locatelli is an improvement, don't get me wrong, but the likes of Inter are still good, even without yeah. Hakimi. Um, yeah. Napoli is my my choice because they didn't lose anybody and they have a deep squad and they shouldn't have any injuries to begin the year. And plus you got Spalletti there. Um, I, I'm curious to see how Lazio does. They didn't sell anybody. Sorry's there. Um, Mourinho, I know everybody's happy about Mourinho, but Roma's shit. Guys, you know? is this going to be the greatest the greatest city I've always seen like this coming year with the oldest manager? If, if, if only Conte was still in City, uh, can you imagine? Like, the guys are not ahead. Let him go. The guys are not ahead. He couldn't even find a club. He wanted too much. No, there, I know. Believe me. And, 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 and I like Inzaghi. I like Inzaghi. But I, just, no, I like Conte better. Love and I, I, want, I wanted Conte to at least finish out his contract. And keep, no, I like, like Conte better. He's one of the best coaches. Sure. The guy is crazy. Like, why do you go in a pandemic and say, I want all these players? You're nuts. Yeah. He went to Real Madrid and told him the same. They told him, just go. Just, yeah. You don't have that much <laughs> money. Crazy. No, 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 no. I, I, I would have actually had a panic attack if I would have read a Twitter post. Conte next much with coach. <laughs> no way Florentino was going to give him everything he wanted. Absolutely not. Yes, you don't have the money. There's no yeah. money to give him all of this. We got to wrap it up. Zaghi is not a downgrade, guys. I'll tell you that much. He's oh, not no, a downgrade. I like he's him. Not. No, yeah. no, no, he's not. He's I agree not a downgrade. Let's see what he's gonna do with that. Let's see what he's going to do with a better club and better team and better players. Yeah, I'm better fans. I'm better fans. I'm better fans. Just one more thing on Immobile for Jerry before we end. Listen, <laughs> if if you're as small as Immobile and you're not as quick as Insigne, it's kind of tough to try to go up head to head with John Stones and Maguire. I mean, uh, I'm gonna be honest. Unless you're in space, but if you're the false yeah. nine, you can't go out. You know, you can't go wide because you already have Insigne going one side. You have Kiese going up. On the other, your fullbacks want to press forward. It's just in that particular matchup, in my eyes, Mobile just wasn't fit to be in there. Unless you had a much taller guy that can create possession and create havoc against those two big, tall guys in Maguire and Stone. I just And I get it. You and I, and I do agree with Marco. You have to play him, though, regardless. There's nobody else. I agree with well, that. You got? That's it. All right, so well, I, I want to like give you said, I man, give... everyone, Satya's an insider, a fucking ESPN insider on uh, on Twitter, uh, Twitter Insider. <laughs> I love it. Hey, before before we go, I want to give everyone a chance to plug uh, anything you're working on, social media, any platforms you have. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll plug uh, I'll plug our podcast before we go on to everybody. You know, make sure if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you check out the audio only versions that post the day after the YouTube streams. You can search for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Calcio Connection. Just search for us there. Uh, subscribe, please. It really helps us out. If you can leave us a five-star rating, and if you have a few seconds, leave us a nice review. 
I have a feeling we're going to get bombarded with reviews from English fans who are not going to be happy. So the Italian fans, try and balance them out with nice reviews. We're going to get some nasty ones. Uh, you can also, uh, if you're listening to us, make sure you know you can get us on YouTube. Please hit the subscribe button. Subscribe to our channel. We go live at least once a week, usually twice a week. You know, especially now that you know the, the transfer market and preseason is going to get fun. We'll have plenty of stuff to talk about even post-Euro. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Calcio Connection. It's easy to find us. Hit the thumbs up button on this video. Hit the like button uh, and turn the alerts on uh, if you can that way. And, and we're not going to like spam you because we don't. We only do once or twice a week. But if you turn the alerts on whenever we go live, you'll see it and you'll be able to hop right in. So make sure you check out our channel and also Calcio Connection. We have a Patreon page. We're going to be continuing to grow it. I know we have some ideas, maybe even about doing some Formula One stuff in the future. That was an awesome idea by Jerry. Uh, I'm going to have to lean on him for that because I'm not nearly as big of a Formula One fan, but we'll have fun with that. Uh, but right now, uh, I do uh, inter-content every day on the Patreon channel. Uh, you can unlock it for a donation as little as three U.S. dollars a month. And I think if there was ever a time to get in on it, uh, it would be this month, even if it's only this month. If you only want to come in for one month, that's fine, because all of the pledges we get between now and August 4th will be donated in full to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. If you want to learn more about what they do, wish.org. So, you know, in a normal month, we take the proceeds and, and I pay for the expenses, you know, in running the podcast, the uh, the podcast storage, the editing software that I use. But this month, 100% of the pledges are going to make a wish. So if there was only going to be one month you guys get in, this is probably the month to do it. So that's where you can find all of our stuff. Mo, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. I, I love, especially the breakdown that you had of the English goal was incredible. Excellent stuff by you, sir. Where, pe where can people find you? Uh, thank you for inviting me. It was great talking to these great guys who knows a lot about football and knows a lot about uh, every uh, Euro Nation. Guys, you can find me on Twitter right here. Uh, Alex just removed the Twitter handle from us. So oh, there <laughs> it's, it right is. Here. it's back. You can find me right here. Also, you can find us on Interworldwide. <laughs> we do podcasts, we do shows. You can find our uh, uh, YouTube channel, our Facebook page. It's Interworldwide. You'll find a lot of good contents there and we do a lot of good stuff. And it's great to actually do like stuff with the guys here, Jerry and Alex. Always a pleasure, man. Oh, it's a pleasure having you, man. And, and want to welcome in our, our first timer. And it won't be the last time as long as you want to come back. Because I, I don't know if uh, if, if I might have scared you away with my shiny head or something. But Marco <laughs> Beghetto, such a good job. And, uh, and, and I, I love what you brought to the table as well, sir. Where can people find you? I'm just a civilian. I got nothing going on. I talked my way on. I talked my way onto this podcast. So, just Mar Marco Baguetto on Instagram. Uh, I don't have Twitter because it's a swamp, and I still have Facebook. So that's it. You're not wrong about that. That's how I feel about wrong, Facebook, man. though. I, I, I love Twitter, but yeah, go they're, Dolphins. They're... I got to throw that in there. Beautiful. Go, go Dolphins. Go Cowboys. Oh man, I uh, Kai Chenchism. Thank you for stopping Why by, sir. Fly? Yeah, I, yeah. Where, where can people find your work, Kai? Uh, well, you can follow me on uh, the Twitter down there at Samurai Radio, uh, and you can follow me Five Reasons Sports stuff. We'll be doing stuff there. Uh, recently got announced today, I'll be hosting uh, the Yard Prep Free Game Show. So if you want to tune congratulations, in, congratulations by the way, thank you. Uh, if you want to tune in every single week for that, uh, and then also once I finally work out the kinks. And by the way, I want to say I love being able to come on, especially here because uh, my Syria knowledge is very very small. So being able to listen to you guys talk is great because. Uh, being able to watch them in this upcoming season and kind of try to watch more and get more into that will be awesome. But if 
I will hopefully still working out some of the kinks. I'll be having a Bundesliga podcast coming up this season. So if you want to listen to anything Bundesliga, you can also uh, come by. I will say it will most likely be heavy uh, Bayern focus, but I will try to get my bias out of there and uh, have it be more about the Bundesliga. But yeah. I mean, it's so, it's hard to do. It's hard to do a Bundesliga podcast and not be Bayern focused because they, you know, they 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 run well, that last league. Last season, man. last season there was a lot with Schalke, the fan True. reaction to the relegation. There, there was a lot last year that was being able to be talked about. Uh, you know, I did it before we got fired, but you know, it, it's okay. <laughs> They're gonna win it again this year. I think so too. I think a healthy Bundes, uh, a healthy Bayern can still be PSG, even though they brought in like the fucking <laughs> the Kings and the uh, the Queens. Dude, like, yeah. like PSG's bench could eliminate a lot of really good Champions League teams. No, they're but not they going to do will. anything. This they will never, they never will. They don't have competition in the. Yeah. I Guys, love PSG. Please, please no PSG talk. I'm still trying to fuck, trying to wrap my head around Ramos. Please. So I, I don't oh, love PSG. Yeah. I want to correct myself there. Like, I love. Like, I like, I look, like, 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 like he signed my arm five years ago, and I have it tattooed right there. Like that's, right that's there, so cool. number four, right there. And now I have to see him in a PSG jersey. That's that's I hard. I think man. PSG is going to struggle in the Champions League. There's too many. I hope they do. Man. By the way, I didn't, even, work, I didn't man. even realize like there were any like PSG fans because usually I can talk shit about them like with impunity. But like a, a couple weeks ago, I, I comment tweeted on something that Sansone tweeted because like he he's kind of like a uh, he's kind of a PSG fan. I think it's just because he loves Moise Kane. But he like tweeted out like PSG's lineup and he said, Oh, who could beat this team? And I quote tweeted and I said, probably whoever they face in the Champions League quarterfinal. And then, dude, like I actually I, I usually I talk shit about PSG and Man City and I get no flack because I don't think that those teams have actual fans. Uh, only, you know, like plastic fake fans who don't care. But I actually got bombarded by PSG fans when I wrote that. So there are a few out there that actually take stuff personally. Uh, but Manny, uh, continue the thought, man. Where can people find you? Yeah, just find me right there on the Twitter at Manny17 underscore. I mean, I do I do a lot of stuff for 5R. I'm, I'm all over the place, man. I have a little bit of everything when it comes to media and stuff. So just find me on there for anything. I'm, I'm a... I'm a Real Madrid first fan. Um, obviously, I'm not one of those delusionals that think that everything you know is is bought. But hey, um, I've heard otherwise. <laughs> Whatever the case is, but um, no, guys, listen. What what you and Jerry have actually built here, man. Um, I was on your show actually during the pandemic last season, and right. and I and you know me being part of Vice City here at, at Inter Miami and where the team sucks. But for us, it's all about the fans. It's all about the community, and it's all about the passion for the sport. I think that's exactly what you guys are doing, man. And, and um, listen, I remember growing up that you know, even though I'm a Real fan, to me, when you have the battles of Inter Milan and AC Milan and Juventus always battling at the top. I'm not saying Lazio can't do it, Jerry. Don't get mad at me, okay? Listen, if you're Lopez, hey, I don't, don't get offended. <laughs> I don't get offended. Take him to the top, man. When you have when me growing up in the 90s and 2000s and watching Gold TV and me being able to see those three teams always battling it out to me, especially in Europe, was one of the, I think, one of the most passionate things in soccer for me growing up. So I think the way now that Juventus is kind of trending down and everybody else is getting that equal or not better much, you know, opportunities to become that next team, I think it's great, not only for Italy, but for the game itself. Jerry, uh, let people know, and I'm sure you've probably, and I think I've already uh read at least one thing that you wrote today uh let, let people know where they can find you where they can find your articles my friend well to piggyback on manny yeah 
Lazio should have won at least the second Scudetto back in the 90s, but... Yep. Uh, well, they have two, right? Yeah, they should have had three. But they should have three, yeah. Fuck, at least three. We pissed it the year before when, when we won it in 99-2000. Milan won it when we pissed it off in the last three games of the season, gave it to Milan, but... I hear violins playing. Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> It's different, man. I'm out of the night. It's not. It's not violins. It's different for Milan. I, I, they've they've won countless trophies for Juventus. They've won countless trophies. The, the violins not for Lazio. The violins is, is is more that it has to get done for a club like Lazio when they spent that much money back then. There's no there's no violin. It's just there's no excuses, right? Like it had to be done. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. But. Yeah, I wrote a piece for uh, two pieces actually for the Laziale. One actually did one on Copa America on the finals, and I kind of did a an honorary piece for Messi finally winning his Copa America, and will probably go down as one of the best players of all time for me. Um, oh yeah, and then uh, I mean he's no Vidal Marici, but he's all right. I am, yeah. I am not. I am not getting into this messy conversation. Why? Yeah. Well, that'll be next time. Jerry, we will will take another hour here. Trust me. You're an Aldo fan? (laughs) Yeah, I want to go to bed, bro. Don't don't open the box. Don't start. Please, God. Let me just go. Anyways, it's about basically, it's more briefly about Rodrigo DePaul and how he was the best man in the match and should have been awarded the the man of the match. Not not, uh, Di Maria, but this notion of scoring a winning goal overrides the performance of a good player. I hate it. It makes no sense to me, but that's a whole different topic. And I wrote about the Italy game yesterday and how basically about Mancini and how he's taking this deserves credit and basic and mainly Federico Chiesa being the star of the match, in my opinion, overall. Yeah, I, but, I totally uh, agree. But uh, yeah, it's about it. And uh, don't Jerry, don't get offended unless you talk shit about Cheeto. Um, Al, sorry for all the, the f bombs tonight. I uh, been overly, Dude, don't be, don't be sorry. I very overly passionate today, and uh, Jerry, Jerry I will, I I will go to bat for my boy Chiro Immobile. I have a goal in life, and it's this, and I got denied because of stupid COVID. I was supposed to be in Fiorent- in Lazio to watch Lazio versus Fiorentina, but mm. didn't happen because the, the day before when they canceled all trips in Canada. I was on a flight to go to Italy, and thank God I got reimbursed. But um, this this coming on season, at least this season or the next season, I my goal is to meet Chido Immobile. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I plan to either run on the field and take the, <laughs> don't do that. And just take the masses fine and hug I don't him. want you to get – no, you'll or, get locked up in fu- – dude, you will get fucking locked up in Italian jail. I don't want to have to fly over there and bail you uh, out. Do great. not run on the field. Or I need to figure out something where you can meet the players at the game because I need to meet Cheeto and I need to meet Sergei Milinkovic-Savage too. Those two players only. The rest I don't really it, – it, it's it's a, an added, I guess, but Immobile sure, has belong, to meet me. Do you belong to a, like a Lazio club or something? Um, I'm part of the Lazio club here, the SS Lazio Toronto, but I never go, man. Reason well, that, being, that, that might be your in because my parents yeah. belong to the Milan club. That's how I got. That's how I got that, right? Because he had the director oh, wow. had had an in on Milanello, and he actually just walked up to Baggio and had it signed directly for us. That's so amazing. I'm, sometimes the clubs the clubs have an in, right? Oh, yeah, wow. that's true. I I just can't do it because 
I, I can't be beside 20, 30 people watching the game. Oh, I'm, I know. I don't I'm go. Yeah. Fucking hate it, man. I need to watch it's at home. No, I kind of like it too, Kai. Yeah. I, I think it's fun. I, like, it's dude, fun. I, I had the time of my life yesterday. Oh, I think Manny's good. with me too, man. I think Manny likes I'm, to watch the game. I think, I, I, think, I think when it's your own team and matches, yeah. like, I remember watching Real Madrid and those penalty kicks against Atletico. Thank God I was at home. Because if we would have lost and I'm on the road, dude, I fucking lose it. Like, don't fucking talk to me. Don't say, don't yeah. tell me it's okay. Don't tell me it's next year. Fuck off. We lost, but we won, right? So that's yeah. I just broke everything in my house. I didn't hit, I didn't hit nobody. I'm the same way. <laughs> uh, I have to watch it at home. One, because I like writing about the team. Yeah. And two, because I need to understand what's going on in the game. I, like, I, yeah, I used to so be the, much shit going on yeah. around you. It's like <laughs> Yeah. It's, it was, it's not it's not like North American sports where you can watch basketball, hockey, football, and, and be with your buddies and miss a play. They show the replay a hundred times, so don't yeah. worry about it. With soccer, it's like you miss it. There's no stoppages, <laughs> get, yeah. There's no stoppages, man. Yeah. You're not gonna get that replay again unless it's like a set play and there's like a change or something. I don't know, but that's about it, guys. Thanks for coming on tonight. Alex, I know you want to go to bed, so go hit hit the hay. Do what you got to do. This episode was two hours. My God, ten ten thirty, bro. Oh, but ten thirty, I turn into a pumpkin. I, I get like it's like uh, clockwork. <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate everybody uh, coming in. Huge, huge thanks to Mo, to Marco, to Manny, to Kai, and of course to Jerry, the man yeah. who believed all along he believed in this Euro 2020 championship. We will talk to everyone next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.